This is the WHL This Week Radio Edition, presented by the Western Hockey League, the WHL Broadcast Partners, and Bauer Hockey. Here's your host, John Keane. Hey, and welcome to the show. Ahead in moments, we'll be speaking to a WHL official trailblazer, Alex Clark, first WHL female official. She's standing by. We'll chat with her next. And the Portland Winterhawks are north of the border as they become the first U.S.-based WHL team to play a game in Canada since March 7th of 2020. We'll hear more from head coach and general manager Mike Johnston. And the WHL Player of the Week is Regina Pat's defenseman and Seattle Kraken prospect Riker Evans. We'll have more on that. First up. Well, she made WHL history earlier this season by being the first female to be an official for a Western Hockey League game. That happened in Moose Jaw last month. Alex Clark joins us on the line, uh, who is working her way up the officiating world and is soon to get overseas for international competition. Uh, She joins us on the phone. Alex, thanks for making some time for WHL this week. I appreciate you having me on the call. Uh, you're a busy person, right? I mean, this is uh, just one of the things you do, and that's sort of the story with WHL officials. You try to work some of these games into your busy schedule. Yeah, it's it's a balancing act, but but it's well worth it. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about your your background. You you started as a hockey player, so let's go back to your roots. You're a small town girl from Saskatchewan, uh, and you are now uh, a high level official. Let's let's go from point A to point B on that. Yeah, so I, I don't know if I can remember a time when I, I didn't skate or play hockey or do something with hockey. I think I started when I was four or five years old in my, my small town of Drake and and kind of found places to play throughout growing up because there wasn't a lot of female hockey in, in small town Saskatchewan. So a lot of travel. I moved away from home when I was 15. Um, similar to Midget AAA boys, I, I moved to play Midget AAA girls and billeted for three years. Then when I graduated, I moved down to Duluth, Minnesota, and played Division Three college hockey down there for four years while getting my degree. And and when I moved home, I, I kind of was looking for a way to stay involved in the game, and it came down to coaching or officiating for me, and I I don't like to sit still, so officiating was a little bit more of a natural path. Yeah, wow. So let's go through that whole journey. And This is where you started at the lowest level possible, probably minor hockey, uh, and you've gone up all the ranks. I've seen you know, Junior B, Junior A, uh, U-Sport, and now the WHL. So just a great progression for you. But did it start the most humblest beginnings for yourself as far as being an official? Yeah, I, I, you can take it even farther back into... Growing up, I started roughing when I was 10 or 11 back home in novice or Adam hockey. And and then I, I took a bit of a hiatus while I, I played higher level hockey and came back after college and started at that, that peewee bantam house level level games. And, and I think that it's, you have to start at the lower levels in order to respect the game and the side of officiating that you do because because you get treated a little bit different at every single level. And I think you... You just appreciate the whole pathway of being an official a little bit more. How's the WHL been? Uh, Kevin Minch is a director of officiating. Uh, there seems to be a, a real tight-knit group of officials in the league here. How's everybody been for you on that side? It's been extremely welcoming. Um, I, I knew most of the, the officials I worked with the first couple of games, and they did that intentionally, so I would feel more comfortable Um coming into the league and I've, I've been able to meet a few new new faces since then and 
and even some that I haven't met. It was a very welcoming group. They've reached out to me and congratulated me and I felt very special at the start and now I just feel like I'm I'm one of the crew and, and to me that's that's the best part is just feeling like I'm I'm part of the group out there. Yeah, I as except for your first game, you were you were a little bit singled out, weren't you, in Moose Jaw that night? Tell me about that. Yeah, they, they did make a, a bit of an announcement and acknowledgement of the milestone that I reached at the game in Moose Jaw and, and the officials were able to gather the puck from the game and, and keep that for me, which is a, a sentimental thing that officials do and and so I have my, my game puck for my first WHL game. Um so it was it was very monumental and I appreciated that but but now it's at a point where I, I just appreciate being being a part of the group on the ice and, and not being made to feel different. Yeah. Well, this is just a, a step, right? Just like the Western Hockey League's a step for, well, broadcasters and coaches. Uh, it, it's a step for officials, too. And I understand you're headed uh, overseas here uh, in the coming days. Tell us where you're headed. Yeah, I actually fly out tomorrow, and I fly to both Denmark and uh, Czech Republic. I am on the long list for the upcoming Olympics, and we'll do a, a bit of a training camp in Denmark for a few days. And and then those of us that are there dispersed to three respective countries to to officiate the qualification tournaments. And then I come back and hopefully end of November, beginning of December, we'll find out whether I'll be going to the Olympics in Beijing in February. Wow, that would be amazing to have that experience here for sure uh, with the IIHF. Uh, with that said, Alex, you know, it's probably just a matter of time, right, until there's a, a female lines person or, or referee uh, in the NHL or sort of how are you approaching that? Yeah, I think it is only a matter of time and and honestly for for me approaching it it's a possibility. It's not what I am is my end all be all. I'm focused right now on giving the WHL the attention and effort that it deserves and I'm I'm not treating it as using it as a stepping stone for me. This is a a very huge milestone and I think that I need to service the game at this level very well before I'm able to move to the next level. That's a great point. Uh, we already see uh, female officials in the American Hockey League. In fact, there's quite a big stable uh, down there. Uh, but but that's important, too, to, to learn the trade here. Uh, but overall, uh, you probably do have goals set, like players would have goals. Uh, so what are some of those goals? So my, my goal for the last four years has been to, to go to the Olympics in Beijing in 2022. Um, and, and that still is one of my, my biggest goals right now, short term. And now that the Olympics are close, I'm starting to look a little bit more long-term at what those goals are. And, and for me, the WHL, and I was also, I was one of the line persons that was hired by the American Hockey League as well. And so giving the opportunity when I, when I get my first game. And for, for right now, my goals are just to service these leagues um, and do well. You can't work them for one year and then move on to the next level. So so I want to spend a couple of years really servicing these levels of hockey and enjoying the experience. Alex, the term uh, trailblazer, does that, what, what do you think of that? Is that something uh, you're proud of, something you just wish that maybe uh, it, it didn't have to be that way, or, or where you are on that term? I'm a little bit of both. Um, I, I, talk about, I talk a lot about I'm very proud to be the first, but I wish I wasn't um, because that meant that other people came before me. And, and though I am very proud and very humbled to be blazing a trail that hasn't been in the past, um, I know that it's not going to be long now that there's many other females that follow my footsteps. And I, I am happy to have, have started that. 
Alex Clark, who uh, the first WHL official, a female official to uh, work games and uh, on her way up, as you can hear our chat here on WHL this week. Alex, thanks so much for making time for us. Great chat with you. Great to meet you. And uh, we'll be watching your career uh, move up the ranks. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to the WHL This Week Radio Edition. The Portland Winterhawks are playing north of the border this week for the first time since March of 2020. In fact, they are the first WHL team based in the U.S. to play a game in Canada since March 7th of that year. I spoke with head coach and GM Mike Johnston. Mike Johnston has his Portland Winterhawks finally on a, a bit of a Canadian swing. It's been a long time since we could say that, but uh, here you are, a three-game swing north of the border. I'm sure that's nice, but maybe for the parents or some of your Canadian players to come and check these guys out. Well, there's a couple things. As I surveyed in the dress room, we have several parents joining us on the trip, as we usually do in Canada, which is great for the kids. And then, and then secondly, as you mentioned, is coming up into Canada to play. Last year, we played in our division. We had our exhibition games this year in our division. We started in our division, so our guys are really excited about seeing a different opponent. And then coming to on this trip with uh, um, Kamloops, Kelowna, and Vancouver, we're going to see three pretty good teams, starting with Kamloops, as one of the top teams in the league. And uh, our guys are like anybody else in the league. They want to play against the best players, so they're looking forward to the trip. Yeah, the start so far, 10 games in, where would you assess your team is at? I saw some comments earlier that you're still kind of trying to find your identity and find out what you are right now. Yeah, well, last year we had uh, four players away in the USHL, um, and... I thought that the, our division was a little bit watered down because there were some teams that didn't have their Euros, some teams didn't have 20-year-olds. Uh, it wasn't a true evaluation of where everybody was at, but it gave us a chance to play our young kids. And then coming into this year, um, when the season started, we had several injuries. We had uh, guys away at pro camps. We still have Jarvis with Carolina. He, he may or may not uh, come back. That, that really changes the dynamic of your team. Uh, Jaden DeRoe will be back tomorrow night for us from Tampa, so that'll be uh, one addition. Um, we still have a couple guys out injured, so I, I don't really believe we've seen the type of team we can be, and as a coach, you want to be careful in evaluating where you're at within the league and then make some decisions after 20 games what we need to do to be a good team. You mentioned Seth Jarvis. I saw you give him uh, well wishes on Twitter on his uh, NHL debut the other night. Got an assist and a game-winning goal uh, as well. Uh, hey, it's great to push these guys forward, but but I know that creates a pretty big hole with your lineup as well. So where are you at with Seth Jarvis right now? Well, Seth's such a quality player for us. He does a little bit of everything. You know, he's a penalty killer. He's a power play guy, and and I think he's a kind of a glue guy on our team. So when he went to Caroline, we knew that, that there was a good chance that he may stick. We also knew that uh, the exhibition games would be important. I watched two of the ones he played and thought he really played well. So I didn't get to see all of his first game the other night, but uh, I saw him on the power play. I saw the beginning of the game. He just looks comfortable at that level. So like several players in our league that are still in the NHL at 18 or 19, it's great for those players. That's what our league's all about. We're a development league. If they're ready to play, then it, it's great for them, and it's good for our program long term. Life in the U.S. division, it looks like, you know, Everett's right back again. Uh, Seattle's been building something that looks like they're at their peak performance here again. Uh, Spokane and Tri-City maybe still trying to find their best game. But what, what do you anticipate life in the U.S. division will be like here for our listeners? Well, if you look back to when uh, this uh, season was canceled um, in 1920, 
and we were sitting one point up on everybody in our division, but three of our teams were ranked in the top ten in Canada. So we had Spokane, ourselves, and Everett all in the top ten in Canada. So our divisions, it, it's not an easy division. It's been tough for a long time since I've been there. Uh, there's quality teams, and certainly they rotate around just based on where people are with draft picks and how they're building their program. But there's always two or three teams in that division that are, are really top end. And I look at the BC division this year and I see a similar thing. I know from just looking on paper that Kamloops and Vancouver are probably two of the top teams, but Prince George's building, much like you said with Seattle. Uh, Kelowna's always a good program. They always seem to come up with a, a solid team and then Victoria's a little bit rebuilding so it's a it's a tough conference this year it's going to be really interesting to see as we head through the season and then I think everybody when you look at it for playoffs projections long term it should be some great playoff series yeah it should be back to the conference format on this side as well here uh, WHL Cup was just a few weeks ago in Red Deer I know you wear the GM hat too so you left the team in capable hands with Don Hay there for a couple of games so uh, that's an important draft because these players are 16 already and you could technically bring them in right now if you wanted to uh, and sign them and, and go here you're looking at this draft you have six months maybe more viewing time and progression uh, how do you assess this draft here as it, as it comes up here pretty quick in just a matter of two months I think it's well, first it's challenging because uh, you're evaluating players initially our scouts were that hadn't played a lot last year so there's some provinces where these 06s may have played eight to ten games and that was their whole year some of them didn't get much off ice training because some of the gyms were closed in the areas where they lived so it's a it's a challenging evaluation the one advantage is we have we have from may to december so we have extra months where the players grow they change so we get that time and i thought when i watched the whl cup it was a it was a great event um, i thought the bc and alberta were certainly the best teams but there were some very good talent on Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So the draft is going to be deep. I don't really see top end like the 05s, where I think the 05 draft may be one of the best in, in our league for quite a while. But the 06s are deep in the draft. And then beyond that, the players that didn't make those teams, it's have we got enough views of them? Have we watched them in good competition? Because as you always know, players who don't make the WHL Cup or their provincial teams, there's quite a few players in each province that are kind of diamonds in the rough. And those are the ones that our scouts are, are really trying to identify and narrow down. Well, it's great to be back and great to have you guys back up in Canada again here for this uh, three-game uh, BC Swing. Mike, thanks for doing and spending some time with us on WHL this week. Well, thank you. We're looking forward to the game. The Western Hockey League Player of the Week. Regina Pats defenseman Riker Evans has been named the WHL Player of the Week. Seattle Kraken prospect picked up four points in two weekend wins over Swift Current. Yeah, we played unbelievable these uh, these last two games. Uh, obviously, it was great to get back in the win column. Uh, we started to play the, the game we usually like to play. Uh, it led to success, and uh, it was good to find the back of the net this week. On Friday, the 19-year-old was a plus two and registered three shots on goal as the Pats knocked off the Broncos 4-1. to Next evening, Evans scored once and added three assists, including a helper on the game-winning goal as the Pats knocked off the Broncos 7-3. It was the first four-point game of Evans' WHL career. He says it was a weekend they definitely needed as a team. Even though in that, that seven-game losing streak, we were still pretty positive, uh, but obviously winning helps a lot. 
The second-round pick of the NHL's expansion Kraken led all WHL blue liners in assists with 25 during the 2020-21 shortened season. He says NHL camp was a great experience. It was just learning. It was especially going to the NHL camp. I got to learn what, what made those pro players successful in that league, like like Giordano and Vince Dunn, guys like that. So just watching them day to day, uh, kind of bring it back here and, and kind of share that with the young guys and, and just lead by example. And I think that's kind of allowed me to have success this year. Evans originally selected by the Pats in the 10th round of the 2016 WHL draft. Hey, that's the show. Big thanks to our guests this week, Alex Clark and Mike Johnston. I'm John Keane. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation of the Western Hockey League in cooperation with the WHL broadcast partners and Bauer Hockey.